Hey guys, welcome back. Today I want to talk with you about what to do when self-help and therapy fail you or you've tried to overcome a psychological issue. Addiction, procrastination, anxiety, depression, but you haven't. It's not your fault. Well, it may be your fault, but it's also because there's huge errors in both self-help and therapy, so when they do work, it's because of circumstance or accident. Plus, I like to check in every so often, every year or so, to let you know what I do here, the kind of therapy that I offer. Because it is different. You can't Google it. Not yet, at least. So if you're the kind of person who realizes that all self-help is pretty much the same, and it's just different people using different words, different marketing, or if you've been in therapy, traditional therapy a long time, and you have tons of awareness, but no real growth to show forth, and I may be able to help. First, I'm going to talk about what is psychological health, what it is not. First principles, those matter. Then I'm going to talk self-help and cognitive behavioral therapy, how it's precise, which is good, but it's also shallow. Then I'm going to talk about traditional therapy, how it's fundamental. Ooh, that's good, but it's vague. Then I'm going to discuss the three principles of therapy, how to get therapy that is both precise and fundamental. In fact, I would argue it's precise to the extent it's fundamental and vice versa. And then I'm going to discuss my new offer. It's pretty much the same as the old offer. I'm going to do more sessions now, but we'll get into it. So the last one of these videos I did, my thesis was therapy isn't something you receive from a qualified therapist. It's what you're able to give yourself once you understand what therapy is, which is, of course, true. But I think the path to get here is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to restate this thesis in this way for this video. There is a science of therapy. Now, it's not an exact science by any means. Of course, this isn't algebra. It's nothing a packet, nothing a cognitive behavioral therapy packet is going to solve, but it is a science. You know, rather than numbers, I think we have concepts and principles. And I'm not saying other therapies don't work. Other therapies do work, but they will only work to the extent they incorporate, touch on what the science of therapy is, what these principles are. And they won't work to the extent that they don't. So first, let's discuss what is psychological health. Well, let's start by discussing what it's not. It is not psychological incontinence, as Jung says, or when you're not housebroken psychologically. All right, you wake up to study Yochem, and you find yourself lost on YouTube. You start some workout, some diet regimen, and it works for three and a half weeks, but you can't stay consistent with it. You look better and you feel better, but you just don't stick to it. Or I like to talk about you're at a dinner party, and you upchuck something out of your mouth that is sardonic, sarcastic, a little bit mean, and you don't even realize it till you're driving home with your wife and you're thinking, why did I even say that? I feel like I owe that guy an apology. Or conversely, you're at a dinner party and somebody says something stupid about something you know a lot about and you just nod along like an idiot. And again, you don't really realize it till afterwards. It's like you're driving home with your wife and you think, oh, why didn't I feel like I could say something? I, I gave... I said, you know, the excuse I told myself was, oh, it's his house. I don't want to, so I can't say anything disagreeable if I'm in somebody else's house. Another way of saying what psychological health is, is in, in terms of morality. Morality is adherence to reality. You have a morality. Maybe it's unstated, but you act based on what you think matters, what you think is important. And psychological health 
helps you to adhere to that morality and ensure that that morality serves you. There's this great quotation said by me, apparently, because I looked it up and I don't see any reference to it. And that quotation is, morality without psychology is brutality. If you have a morality, you do, without a psychology to help you adhere to it and, and help it to serve you, then you will end up being brutal on yourself. You will end up being in conflict with yourself. Or in other words, psychological health is you make decisions that you want to make and you don't make decisions that you don't want to make. Not that you're always going to make decisions that you want to make, but when you don't, when you don't make decisions that you want to make, you have recourse for that. You say, oh, I know why I did this and I know how to work on it. Psychological health in different contexts looks different. When it's time to study, you have maybe what we would call discipline in a relationship. You can give and receive love. When you want to do something new, you have confidence. You may mess up, but you have confidence. When you experience a pain or struggle, which is natural and inevitable as you work on your psychological issues, can't do anything about the pain or struggle. Sometimes stuff just sucks, but you can have clarity. Passion, happiness, all that stuff. I also like to put it in terms of improvement intervals, at least a three-month improvement interval, meaning you can look back three months and go and say, you know what? I am in a better place objectively. You know, I'm eating better. I'm sleeping better. I have a better, more open, clearly more open relationship with my brother, uh, for example. So there's lots of ways you can work on psychological health. I'm To improve your psychological health, I, I put it in these terms, vague and precise there on the y-axis, shallow and fundamental on the x-axis. Now there's shallow and vague help for your psychological issues. This is any rando advice. You know, somebody on Twitter, if there's a mindset bro on Twitter who's using the word should, saying you should do that, you shouldn't do that, that's probably shallow and vague advice. Any any brother-in-law has tons of rando shallow and vague advice for you. Uh, first, I'm going to talk about, uh, yes, we're not even going to discuss that, of course. Then I'm going to, but so first I'm going to talk about self-help and cognitive behavioral therapy, how it's, you know, shallow, but precise, at least. Then traditional therapy, how it's vague, but at least fundamental. Then the three principles of therapy, how it's fundamental and also precise. Three principles of therapy are honesty, loop, and ritual. I will go into those towards the end of this. First, let's talk what precise and shallow. So this is self-help and cognitive behavioral therapy. Now the problem with self-help is that it's symptom management. It looks at your emotions, thoughts, behaviors, and beliefs, but especially your behaviors and beliefs, and tries to change those directly, which is of course a contradiction. You know, the implication is that the fact that you're seeking help means you've tried to change these things, but you can't, which indicates there's some unconscious issue coming up and causing these symptoms that you don't like. Maybe it's procrastination. Right. The other problem is there's a content motivation dichotomy, meaning that it tries to motivate you outside the content of your psychology. You know, you can read a self-help book or, or go to a self-help seminar and there's there's some inspiring story, and that may help for a while, but it always wears off. Why? Because true motivation, motivation can only come from the content of your psychology. Motivation ultimately comes from clarity that you have about what your issue is. Anything besides that, it's just going to wear off and not help you fundamentally. And, and self-help does have a lot of helpful techniques, 
and those can be useful. You know, techniques can be useful, but techniques without awareness aren't going to help you. You know, it's like the guy who goes in and asks for a raise, you know, which is good, I guess. Like, okay, you're facing your fear. That's good. But if you do it without a reason, if you don't go in with any stats and numbers and say, hey, here's what I'm doing for the company, you know, it's, you're not going to get the raise and you're just going to get frustrated. You're going to get frustrated at the process and you think facing your fear is the issue. It's It's not facing your fear. It's you're doing it without the proper awareness. The main problem with self-help is it gives you what I call the self-help treadmill. So self-help throws all these techniques, you know, without awareness at you. It's like a behavior technique and affirmation. So you're doing your affirmations, you're doing your visualization, you have your vision board. You're, you're arguing with your emotions. You know, if a, if a negative emotion or negative thought comes up, you're just ignoring it you're saying oh that doesn't real that's not a reflection of reality of external reality so it's not real so you're doing all these things then you learn about making a gratitude list and you think oh if i'm doing all these things and i make a gratitude list i'll feel even better Ooh, and if i go on this retreat i'll feel even better you know it's, it's so silly it's right there in the name retreat that's you're retreating it's avoidance and it gives the impression that you need to do more which creates a lot of stress and just somehow self-improvement is just going to flow from there where the truth is, what, what, how this really works is you do work on three principles and anything that you would want flows naturally from there. Not right away. It may take some time. Fortunately, there's a lag, but these things come. The point isn't to do a bunch of things. It's to do a few things and to do them well. Then there's cognitive behavioral therapy. Anything I say about self-help, um, I'll say about cognitive behavioral therapy, I just call it glorified self-help. It's the same worldview. It's the mind-body dichotomy, uh, which ultimately means that you can disregard your unconscious. You can disregard your your emotions. So, for example, um, jealousy comes up, right? The example of jealousy coming up. Oh, I saw my ex-girlfriend out with this other guy. And you argue with it. You say, well, it doesn't even make sense that that you're jealous. You're the one who broke up with her. Yeah, but I still feel jealous. Well, it doesn't make sense. It is a disregarding of your emotions. Or also, you know, another great example of this is you make a new future and the past won't matter. Now, the past matters because it still affects you today. The past put an issue in you and now you're carrying out that issue today. And cognitive behavioral therapy has little recourse for that because, uh, as I say there next, there's zero nuance of emotions. I don't make sense of emotions. I mean, even back, this is 2014, I checked. I had a professor uh, who was very much into cognitive behavioral therapy. And she was talking about the study where, you know, people would were feeling sad and they put a pen in their mouth like this and, you know, and they which makes them smile and oh I feel better now because I smile and of course that that uh <laughs> that study was not uh, replicated in any way but but that was the silliness of of the advice of how these people view emotions now uh, I mean that's just an indication is what I'm saying now, cognitive behavioral therapy does uh, recommend exposure therapy, which is good, and they do have multiple steps for exposure therapy, for exposing you gradually to this feared stimulus, and that can be good, but the problem there, same thing with self-help, if it, it's if it's exposure, if it's facing a fear without awareness, it may not in fact help you and cause more frustration. For example, let's say you're afraid of spiders. Now, cognitive behavior, you can go to a cognitive behavioral therapist and they'll give you all these steps for, you know, 
uh, facing your fear of spiders. And that will help you overcome your fear of spiders. But I would argue you probably weren't even afraid of spiders in the first place. Spiders, a, a, a spider is a manifestation. It's a displacement of your anxiety onto something that you are more likely to accept uh, to be afraid of. Typically, in my experience, if you're afraid of spiders, you're afraid of relationships, you're afraid of intimacy, it gets displaced onto spiders. So yeah, you can overcome your fear of spiders, but there's still that core issue there that's going to affect you way more. Your fear of relationships can affect you way more than your fear of spiders. Um, you know, same thing, a uh, popular example, fear of elevators. People get afraid of elevators. So you go to a kind behavioral therapist and they'll do like a step-by-step -step exposure therapy to the elevator and you can overcome your fear of elevators and, and yeah, you live a somewhat more functional life now, but you were never really afraid of the elevators. Being in an elevator reminds you of how you feel stuck in your life. So if you don't understand why you were stuck in the first place and work on those issues that made you feel stuck, that led you to this place, those unconscious issues that led you to the place of being stuck. And of course they're unconscious. Otherwise you would simply change them unless you work on those issues. Uh, you know, they're going to affect you way more and you're, you're still just going to be afraid of the elevator. So cognitive behavioral therapy, this is one of the main ideas behind it. There's a cognitive behavioral therapy triangle. Uh, let me decode this for you. The, uh, so what causes your thoughts, your behaviors, and your feelings? What causes your behaviors, your thoughts, and your feelings? What causes your feelings, your thoughts, and behaviors? And what's the problem with this, of course, is it's circular. It just goes around in a circle or a triangle. But it's amazing to me that they uh, they would create this and not think of, oh, this is just circular reasoning. The problem is there's no there's no fundamentals. What is fundamental? And really what the cognitive behavioral therapy triangle does is it just takes these techniques here. It just gives them a, a, a way to organize them. It just does this with them. When really how this works is you work on the three principles that matter, and then your thoughts, behaviors, and feelings are inevitably affected. You need to work on something outside of this, or really what how this works is you take a nuance, you know, you take feelings there, and you get more nuance with them. Because every decision is emotional. You're not going to make unemotional decisions. That's, it's not going to happen. The question isn't whether your decisions are emotional. It's how aware are you of the emotions behind the decision? And CBT leads to stuff like this. My therapist has me reading a self-help book during our sessions. This was on the internet last week. People are saying, oh, this is probably fake. Yeah, you know, it might be fake, but also I went to grad school with people who would think that, well, why not? Why not just read a self-help book during a session? I mean, let's go back to the CBT triangle. I mean, it's going to help you have good thoughts. You know, you're reading the thoughts in the book and those are good thoughts and that's going to give you a good feeling. And well, according to this, it's going to lead to uh, better behavior, right? It's going to lead to healthier behavior. So, so why not do that? So yeah, you know, maybe this is a joke, but also, you know, this stuff happens and then therapists has, have the gall to blame you for the mental health crisis and say, oh, you don't go to therapy because of the stigma. No, people don't go to therapy because they get crap like this. Because it's, it's an unprincipled feel. It's not even close to a science right now. Well, we're going to fix that. And also you get stuff like this from cognitive behavioral therapy and the self-help and that mindset. Like, choose happiness. How you have to choose happiness today. 
telling somebody to choose happiness when they're sad is like if telling somebody who has a broken leg to choose walking. Right? I mean, of course, life comes down to choices. Life comes down to the decisions that you make. But what matters is at what resolution are you making those decisions? With what perspective? No bad vibe, same thing. What's wrong with bad vibe? It's only bad for you because you you have don't have a way of understanding and relating and decoding. And then this is the worst one, I think, is if somebody isn't serving you, you remove them from your life. It's called dead weight. Remove it. Yes, you just remove people. You remove people from your life and then you wonder why you don't, you, you wonder why you're in an existential crisis because in fact your identity is created from data points that you make while connecting with other people. So in the therapy that I offer, I want to get to your fundamental issue and what it is. Don't take my word for it. Of course, these are change the names. Not their real names and, you know, maybe some of the details, uh, who knows. But what does this guy say, former client? The sessions with Mark cut directly to the heart of your issue. I'm there for clarity, not hand-holding. I'll hold your hand too a little bit, but ultimately we're going to clarity. Same thing here, right? A few sessions with Mark, primary emotional loop. We figured out that he unconsciously goes through. That gives rise to his symptoms. I, I don't, I, I do care about your symptoms to some degree. You know, focusing on those will help figure out what to do, but really it's about how do you get to that symptom in the first place? Same thing. Guy went to a bunch of life coaches. None of it worked. I got to understand basic principles, emotions, how they work and how they really affect your behavior. You know, as it's said, uh, idiomatically, you know, what makes you tick? What really makes you tick? And you got to be really clear about that and explain it in 10 different ways as at the drop of a hat, as I say. Mark Sharp perception quickly landed on fundamental emotional issues that have been decreasing his peace of mind. Same thing here, tackling the cause rather than trying to manage the symptoms, which what he's been doing up until then. Same thing here, right? Work on, uh, through sessions, I'm able to realize the source, right? We're not going to work on the self-doubt and the pre- the, pre- the procrastination. That will take care of itself, but let's get to the source of it. Get stupidly clear about that. And then that gives you all the information you need. You know, that's the thing. I make the joke about people who think that they have a lot of awareness, but no growth to show for it. You actually don't have awareness. That's not awareness. I don't know what that is. It's information, but it's not awareness. Awareness leads to growth 100% of the time. If, if it doesn't lead to growth, it's not awareness. Same thing here. Fundamental issue. You, you get the point, right? I mean, there's a bunch here. Up clarifies fundamental issue. So I mean, exactly what it is. Finally able to understand after 16 years of just doing a bunch of self-help crap, he's finally able to understand. And then we have this one. Problems came from alienated view of himself. Right. So next let's talk about what is fundamental yet vague. (laughs) Or vag. (laughs) Oh man, that's awesome. Fundamental yet vag. Anyway, traditional therapy, it's fundamental. The problem is that it tackles the problem, right? How you relate with your unconscious. 
And of course, it's how you relate with your unconscious, and you can't stop it consciously. Because if, if you could, then you wouldn't need therapy in the first place. I think a lot of therapists don't even get to the extent that people wrestle and struggle over their issues and try to change them. Before, I mean, going to therapy is a, hu is a huge defeat. It feels like a huge defeat for 9 out of 10 people. Some people go to therapy and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they just give them affirmations or something. But at least what I'm saying is at least traditional therapy understands that your problems stem from how you relate with your unconscious issues and how these unconscious issues present in your relationships, even the therapeutic relationship. Yeah, that's good. That's really what we need to get a hold of. However, it is vague because the process is inexplicable. The process of relating and making your unconscious conscious is mostly inexplicable and different for different people, as these kind of traditional therapists would say. Yeah, and the reason why is because everybody's different. That's, that's the refrain you will hear. And of course, everybody's different. But that's the challenge of intelligence, right? To notice patterns. To see unity in the apparent chaos, what seems like chaos. Where is the unity? And my, you know, my example here, imagine if chemistry was still at this place. The place of thinking that every chemical reaction is different, which is true. Every chemical reaction is different. And back when we thought every chemical reaction was different, chemistry wasn't a science. It took Mendeleev to come along with the periodic table and say, no, there's actually principles behind the reactions going on here. Then chemistry turns into a science. I want to do something similar. Now, we're, you know, with therapy, we're not going to get something as definitive, like, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, different numbers of protons and neutrons and electrons like we do with the periodic, periodic table. But it's going to be a lot more, quote unquote, scientific than oh, everybody's different. And here's a traditional therapist who I have a lot of respect for, who is, of course, very intelligent. But this is what he says. I mean, he's been in his profession, Dr. Shedler, he's been in his profession for decades now. And he says things like, experience does not represent anything other than itself. Therapy is not a standard or repeatable procedure, like, say, getting stitches or prescription for an antibiotic. Do you see the conflation that he makes here? He equates principles slash standards with concretes. That's the issue. He thinks if it's a standard, then it must necessarily be concrete. And I appreciate, appreciate that he must think that based on his epistemological worldview, what I can, you know, infer that it is. And then the sad truth is it's just a crapshoot out there. Meaning that, you know, each new client you get in the clinic, it's just a crapshoot. And your experience means nothing. I know he doesn't believe this. Right, he he harps about quality experience all the time, and and I agree. But based on his epistemology, he can't know any different. And the real harm of vagueness is it places the emphasis on the acumen of the therapist. If if uh, creating a better relationship with your unconscious, which is ultimately the root of all your issues, right? You don't have business problems, you don't have relationship problems, you don't have girlfriend problems, you have psychological problems that manifest in these different things. That's totally true. And if that process of relating with your unconscious, your your psychology is inexplicable, then it's like these certain therapists have this like magic this magic vision have this clairvoyance into this spirit world and you need to go to them and must rely on their their acumen which they cannot uh explicate 
it creates abuse. It throws off the power dynamic and it creates abuse. Now, of course, no traditional kind of therapist, psychoanalytic, would say that they want to create abuse, but that's what happens. That's what invariably happens when you set up this kind of power dynamic. You know, the same thing with cognitive behavioral therapists. You know, they would deny what they do leads to repression. It, it never says in the cognitive behavioral therapy textbook that repression is good. But when you put emotions in terms of thoughts and behaviors and then argue with emotions and if jealousy comes up, you think, well, this doesn't make sense. Then repression is the, is the byproduct. You know, you can say you're in favor of, of air conditioning, but if you don't know how to fix an air conditioner, if you can't deconstruct it, and look at its fundamental parts, fundamental working parts, then you will not have air conditioning eventually. So I want to give you not only a way to get directly to your to what your fundamental issue is and get really clear about that, but I want to do it in a way, in a process that is explicable, that makes sense, some process outside of me. Don't take my word for it, right? This is what this guy talks about, right? Through his process. Mark helped me identify, you know, still fundamental issues that led to, uh, that he needed to improve his, his relationships, right? Same thing here. What does this guy say? Yet yeah, this program, right? This, so this is something, somebody who I worked with, uh, 10 plus sessions, and he still refers to it as a program. Not Mark the therapist, but his program. I take that as a compliment because it's just me taking you through this process. This process that we can codify. No, it's not going to be as concrete as, as stitches or giving somebody an antibiotic. But again, it's just more concrete than everybody's different. And then through this program, we showed how, you know, truly understand psychology and how it influences. Again, through Mark's process, it's like I'm telling these guys what to say. I swear I'm not. But through Mark's process the, the, and the sessions, we're able to realize the source of causing, okay, I already use that quotation, but it's a great quotation. So. Testimonial. And then Mark's framework, just saying it in a little bit different way, did all these great things through Mark's framework. Not Mark's therapy, or not Mark and, oh, he's such a great therapist. I am a, I am a great therapist, but my framework, the process that I use is even better. This one talks about direction, like the, the, the direction of the sessions. It felt intuitive and safe. And still able to land on the fundamental issue, cleared up everything for her. Um, yep, yeah, here Mark guided me through his uh, structure of my mind, the tricks, see what is, you know, see uh, the tricks that his mind has been playing on him, able to find the deeper causes of behavior and discover a way out of it. Framework provided by the unconscious map. That's the therapy that I do. In a few sessions, it gained a more holistic view of his behavior patterns and internal motivations. I, you know, I don't uh, like the word holistic, but if you want to use it, go ahead. Um, again, Mark's program helped him with fundamental triggers. Keep going here. Mark's therapy program does exactly what it says it does. It's just like he's, yeah, the, the way that he's talking about this, it's like something outside of me is, is giving the therapy because something is. And through this program, through this process, we're able to lean on fundamental issue. Okay, so now let's get to the three principles of therapy uh, or how to get therapy that is both precise and fundamental. So first backgrounds, in grad school in 2013, I developed this theory of emotions as, as I started to work with clients. I noticed that talking through 
what, how I believed emotions operate. Talking through emotions in this certain way, it led to, you know, an unconscious pattern emerged. And it didn't take that long. Then I wrote a dissertation on this, which later became my book. Um, the dissertation was never accepted because, you know, I was getting kicked out of grad school at the time. So, uh, never fully dissertated, but hey, you know, I, I'm proud of myself for, for turning it in. And then since 2018, I've just been putting these principles into practice in my own therapy. And, uh, that's what we have here. So if you want to read that dissertation, it's joinanimous.com slash book. It explains emotions, what they are fundamentally, what psychology is. That's a unification of psychology. And what I'm doing now is a unification of therapy. We have two emotions, anxiety and anger. No, we, we have way more than two feeling states, but like we have three primary colors and whatever hexadecimal amount of colors, we have two emotions and how they mix and match, match, create, you know, seemingly infinite array of feeling states. But we got to know fundamentally what emotions are. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is anxiety and this is anger. They're just chiral images of each other. And you apply these in therapy. I go into all the derivation of this in my book if you want to get that. It leads to the three principles of therapy, which are honesty, the loop, and the ritual. Let's go into what these are first. Honesty. There's a million way to talk about a million ways, excuse me, to talk about your, your life, your feelings, your experiences, but only one correct, honest way to do it. First, you need to talk about the facts, then your feeling about the facts, then what that feeling means to you, then how that feeling, not the facts, not the situation is your, but just the feeling is your responsibility. Stop trying to take ownership for your life. You're not going to take ownership for your life. If you can't own your emotions, if you're arguing with your jealousy, any, I don't care how many Jocko Willink videos you watch, you will not be able to take ownership, responsibility for your life. Then what am I able to do as an option? And this just comes right from these emotional diagrams. Okay. There's anger. This is exactly how you talk through emotions. You, you talk, there's the experience out here. It causes a feeling state. You bring up unconscious content by asking why, why do I feel this way? What does it mean? Any, any emotional, uh, any emotions that you dump on other people, you take that back by taking responsibility for the emotion that this puts you in a different, a healthier feeling state an objectively healthier feeling state from which you'll be able to make a, a healthier decision, right? Because that's all a decision is. It's just a manifestation of a feeling state. So what does this look like? Well, dishonesty looks like I resent my dad because he hurt me. Honesty looks like, yes, my father did hurt me. And now I use this as an excuse to distance myself from him, which causes my resentment. You talk through emotions in this way. Patterns begin to emerge. Believe me, dishonesty is my boss makes me anxious. Honesty is my boss triggers my anxiety, which I used to feel like a victim so I can hard hide parts of myself I feel are unworthy. It's a little bit different, right? One more example. Dishonesty is my girlfriend went with her friends to the concert and she didn't even invite me. This mindset coach on Twitter says that's a red flag. So I'm going to break up with her. Honesty looks like what my girlfriend does in her own time makes me feel unworthy because I use her for validation. 
So you talk through stuff like that in, in that way. You talk through your stuff in that way, and you will arrive at a loop. So as you talk through emotions, you use similar words, you repeat clauses, patterns start to emerge. When I work with people, I see them as, you know, like this spinning, chaotic, hectic cloud of dust. I need to kind of slow down their spin, kind of line up my dust particles with that their particles, get get fundamental, get under, understand exactly what's going on, then we can start to spin again in a healthier way. What you achieve here is simplicity. This is what your loop looks like. I don't know you, but I know this is what your loop looks like. There is some called individuation. I use individuation because, you know, I like Jung. I could, you know, describe that in a bunch of different ways that, that may freak you out. So we're just going to say individuation for now. Then you repress that. That repression leads to isolation. Even if you're surrounded by people, you can still be isolated. And then this gives rise to your symptom, then your belief. And, and this is what, you know, mindset coaches do though. They'll just work with you on your belief or your symptom or really just your belief. Well, let's change your belief, right? Now the belief is the result. You got to look at what you're doing unconsciously. And these first three steps are unconscious. This gives rise to your conscious symptoms, right? So you come with me and say, Mark, I have this procrastination issue. I say, yes, you do have that issue. Let's figure out how you got there. Believe me, when you talk through emotions in a, in a healthy way, it'll jump out at you. We got to get really, really clear about what this is. This is all vague here. We got to get really clear for you. What does this look like for you? And specific, and this, when you get specific about this, it tells you everything that you need to know to overcome, to work through your issue. And then once you understand what your loop is, then we go to the ritual, which is how you use clarity from the loop. It connects the head and the heart, uh, lines reason with emotion, I like to say it solves the catch 22 of growth. So, um, you know, what's the catch 22 of growth? So the confidence you need to do what you're afraid to do is on the other side of doing that fear, right? The ritual takes care of that. Isn't a ritual just like a routine? Yeah, sort of, but it's like, you know, one of those things close, but way off. A routine is more like creating a budget. I'm only going to spend this much money on these things this week or this month. A routine you know, that puts a lot of pressure on you and the success rate is low. A routine is you track money. You just track how much you're making and how much you're spending. You don't try to change anything, you know, just without judgment. Say, where's my money going? Where's my money coming in from? Where's it going? You do that for a few weeks. You won't even have to create a budget. A budget will flow naturally from the awareness. That's the idea. Same thing with uh, schedule and time. People try to come up with these schedules. Oh, Jocko Willink does this morning routine. I got to do this morning routine. Yeah, that might be a good morning routine for him, but maybe that's not good for where you are right now. And that's putting a lot of pressure on yourself. And really what you're doing is you're tormenting yourself unconsciously. You know, hear me now, believe me later. That's probably what's going on. A lot healthier and it's going to help you a lot more if you simply track your time. Just look at what you do, where you spend your time, where your time goes. Again, without judgment. You know, as little judgment as possible. And that gives you all the awareness you need to create a schedule. In fact, I would say if you track your time well enough, a schedule will emerge. A routine manages symptoms. A ritual breaks up the resistance that leads to the symptoms in the first place. Routine is repression. is It is inevitably repression, which, you know, may be helpful short term, but the ritual is create creates awareness for yeah, a, a routine can create 
repression for short-term gain, which may be useful. Like if you have like a, I don't know, like a, a competition coming up for something, you need to block parts of your life out. I get it. But long-term, you need a ritual to create awareness and lead to a healthier routine in the first place. I, I could think of it this way. A routine is a bureaucratic, top-down, rigid structure that doesn't adapt to change well. And a ritual is more of an organic structure where there's, well, there's still a leader, but there's a lot more delegation, a lot more communication between different parts of the organization. You know, um, any company that's run well is run like this on the right. It's it has more of an organic structure and the, the left is the department of education basically. So the keys to a ritual is you do what you're able to do. You do a few things, you do them well. This relieves the constriction from the symptoms. So you are able to change said in an, said in another way, willpower increases as awareness of your un unconscious increases. That happens every time. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when and how much. Now, you can't change 100%, of course, but I guarantee you can change more than you really ever thought possible. That is for sure. Okay, so what's the offer? Well, it's similar to before. Uh, there's a course, therapy, and a group therapy. This is all one thing. You cannot get these separately. Uh, I mean, you can get the course separately, but now I'm at the place where I say you can get the course if you want you know it shows my process it goes into exact detail what I do and how and how I give this therapy and it can be helpful and it's useful information it'll probably help you to some degree but uh, you know look therapy is a science there's principles there but you still got to um, you still got to apply those principles and right now at least I'm I'm the best guy for it anybody I train so what the course entails is the first part is the fundamentals. Then part two is how to implement those fundamentals, what that means in therapy. And then three is the actual therapy. It goes over what to talk about and exactly how to talk about it. And then the fourth part is how to continue that awareness. You arrive at your loop and how do you become ever more aware of your loop? Then to the therapy, uh, it's 12 one-hour sessions now. I'm doing more sessions. I experimented with fewer and it was fine, but you know, guys were coming to group and they weren't really where I wanted them. So yeah, I'm doing more sessions. Like I said, I said, right there, this is a science, but it needs to be applied and I'm the guy to do it. That's what we do in therapy, right? Exactly what I just talked about. You learn how to talk, you learn how to identify your issue and you learn how to develop more awareness of that issue, more emotional awareness. Once you understand intellectually what it is and can, can describe it again, 10 different ways at the drop of a hat. Then after that, I will put you in my group therapy. My groups are segregated. One for men, one for women. This is just where you practice. Practice everything that you've learned to continue to the awareness you know, look at your ritual, where you're falling short, why you're falling short, the resistance coming up, identify your loop as it comes out up throughout your life and you will find yourself growing. Three month improvement interval. Hopefully one month improvement interval, but maybe three month. The fundamental shift. There is a science of therapy. You got to learn how to talk. This lets you identify your issue. And then once you identify your issue, you become ever more aware of your issue. 
please reach out. Let me know what's going on with you. I want to hear from you. Jointanimus.com slash schedule. Thank you guys, and I hope to hear from you soon.